Welcome back to the Moving Things Forward podcast. And today we're going to be going through the uh, Library of Alexandria and just talking about the the knowledge that it held and kind of the impact that it had on, has today and kind of look through similarities of what we can see. So, you know, one thing I love about this podcast is that, like, we really started this off with, like, the intention to be tech. And I feel like we're just pure history now. <laughs> In a way. In a way. But yeah. we're still talking about innovations and stuff, so. That's why I kind of wanted to go down that avenue anyway. I didn't, because my proclivity to just kind of drift is too much. And like, I feel like if we stuck on, well, not necessarily stuck, but if we were stuck on one kind of topic, I don't know, I just want to chat shit too much. And this allows me to vent. Yes. <laughs> nah, yeah, I think you're right. Like, because I think... I prefer this anyway because then we talk about like things we're actually interested in you know what i mean instead of like scrambling yeah. to find the latest technology where we can just like we can just talk about anything that's fun you know what i mean like anything that interests you because a lot of people no, yeah. 100%. and i think i don't know it's just limited too much too limited to one topic i think there's so many ways we could innovate things and tech throughout history as well I think yeah. it's as much as important I think we discussed this on I think it was episode one or episode two we talked about how maybe necessarily history doesn't repeat itself but the patterns and the people do yeah people haven't people still behave and still have the same instincts I think we can definitely draw okay what did happen in this instance and how that could be how it can be seen in the future yeah I think the future thing we don't necessarily haven't seen the kind of after effects of but we've seen the after effects of big changes before and yeah like uh as we talked about the agricultural revolution but i think before we get into that talk a bit about how what we do on a day-to-day basis how do we go about that process of making something new yeah okay yeah so yeah I guess well, um, for you, we'll go through your first because I don't know making an app, for example. We kind of do the same thing, but not the same. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. you go for it first. I so I mean, my daily, I guess how I okay how we go about making an app is really just kind of like you. It's just talking to the client really about kind of their vision of what it is, and because a lot of the time, like you find out that people don't have. Um, designs first for their products so they just have an idea yeah they just have an idea like rarely do they come to you with an actual design so you kind of have to end up like doing it yourself which is cool you know what i mean i like doing that you know um so you kind of just talk about kind of what do you run workshop sessions no no no. we just get on calls and we're just like okay wait what's your vision for this right so what's your mvp Mm. which is like the minimum viable product yeah yeah like So what, like, yeah, what is, like, what is this going to look like once it Mm. goes to the app store? So Mm -hmm. we talk about kind of the features that they want, like, must have on there. And then I run them through kind of how that's going to work, like, the needs. Well, not the needs, sorry, like, as in how we're going to achieve that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, how long, how we achieve these things. And we kind of talk about databases and things like that that mm-hmm. and um we kind of just set like little i guess like goals to reach in a certain time so like usually yeah because to me like i usually work with firebase and i feel like most p- 
people to do iOS development do Firebase as well, just because you know, it's a great, I mean, it's a great, it's a great uh, database, anyways. Um, because it's made by Google, super reliable, easy to use. Um, so we kind of just store user data that you know, mm-hmm. store user data there, and then. I mean, yeah, just just build it after that, you know. Just do like daily updates, not daily, so yeah. weekly updates on this thing called fi- uh, on this thing called like test flight, which is kind right. of like is that a versioning thing? Yeah, pretty much right. So you upload different versions and builds to test flight through the app store, which is basically like the app store before it goes onto the app store you know what i mean just right, like, right. like a sandbox environment where you yeah, can, just yeah. like for, and then your client can see every week ex- okay, this week you're here right i see exactly right it's just something for them to kind of see like there are different versions of it but i we use test flight and it's just a good way to keep everybody updated on like the progress of what's going on so like that's all yeah it's interesting as because i was trying to our in general what we're making is quite similar with both technically making an application for people to use i'd say that yeah our audience is very different obviously i'm doing it for companies and in terms of what i'm making is more in a way restricted um just to give you some background essentially what i'm doing is making applications that take all the financial data of a company build a data model around that and then that spits out analysis for the company to work on so like yeah they make their forecasts and predictions and all this kind of stuff based on those but uh, it's a bit of dashboarding a bit of business intelligence a lot of kind of things we're trying to work on getting machine learning in there and stuff but that's more to do with the vendor side and if they put they're trying to work on that basic predictive analytics and stuff but um and also it does all of the kind of reporting needs. So I don't know, you know, financial statements. Yeah. It generates all of those automatically, like fills in all the PDF, like makes the whole reporting suite um, for the push of a button, like really automating quite a lot of stuff. I think a lot of companies basically they're still using Excel sheets. So we can make 50 million Excel sheets into this one thing. You just have to push a couple buttons and it's done. It's no, there's a kind of like a workflow design. So step one, enter this, validate this data, blah, blah, blah. And then it makes the whole thing. But yeah, it was just interesting. So your process is basically the same. But we start off running kind of workshops. What's your process like now? How much, what areas are pissing you off? What areas are broken? And then we kind of make, documentation based on that and what we're going to build before we start building and then we build um and then we use either like waterfall or agile obviously nowadays we've been getting more agile is obviously a bigger thing but um, it depends really some clients prefer that but to me i personally prefer doing agile development structure because it's more like build something you get some feedback on something it's when it's all conceptual when you're working in like a conceptual and then a build for me personally it's like i don't know especially with clients because i'm sure you live with this clients want everything but want to pay nothing although they'll, 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 the fees already agreed and then they're just like adding requirements every week oh my god which is my favorite thing in the world yeah. like 
to be fair with me, it's not as bad because I'm more developing. Like I'm running the workshops, I'm working with them, but it's not necessarily, I just can't promise anything. But the person who actually breaks their heart is the project manager. So I'm not necessarily breaking their heart. I just don't make any commitments. The project manager has to be like, okay, this is not in scope. You want this, you're going to have to pay for it. But yeah, it's just interesting, especially for you. It's more like how many people you're dealing with at once, like one person, two people. It it depends on the project because like you're not making it for organizations. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. Or yes, or no. I'm just wondering. It depends who, right? Because like, um, I do like some work where it is just like a one to one thing, and I'm just like working with that one mm. person. Or like yesterday, I was on a call with like um a couple of people actually, just talking about their designs. So yeah. like it was a bit different because you know it, it was it was a few people and I was on, like a Discord chat with um, yeah. some dudes like from over in LA and or there's obviously this other guy who I work with like Roy um, when I work with him it's a bit different because it's like he's the middleman rather than me talking mm-hmm. straight to the actual person right or the organization or whatever because he he it depends when I do work with him. It could be anything, really. Anybody or an organization is all different. But so I guess it's kind of a mixture of different clients. Yeah, like you just yeah. work with different types of people. Yeah, it's interesting for me because it's organizations, it's quite obviously every organization is different, yeah. but it can be quite strict. Like there's NDAs involved oh, and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Because I have like companies' financials on my hard drive. Like it's kind of, it's not. You know what I mean? Like you have to, it's all very kind of like serious stuff and funny, depending on what country the client's from, their country is different, like data laws, so you have to abide by different... It's very, I don't know, it can get weird and if there's like the financial team want this, but the uh, just whatever, the other team wants something else, it's like they're fighting, it's just a lot of... I don't know, it's just a lot of... It's a funny business, like building this kind of stuff because it's on half yeah you, it's your technical skills and for me that's not a, really an issue like I, I it's funny because like this kind of development stuff it's intuitive but it's also not and a good example of this i used is in i think pretty much all the coding languages it's a programming language let's say an equals isn't an equals yeah yeah it, like in equals you're assigning something to a variable where if you actually want to say equals it's two equal signs so in a way it is intuitive because it's like the plus is the plus and like these things that it's quite like, oh, if, what I'm saying is to someone who has no experience, if you were to explain what this line of code does, they'd be like, oh, okay, I see. It's like an equation or something. Yeah. And then, but then the other half is completely people orientated. Yeah, yeah, that's I don't know, true. it's just an interesting thing is even if you're, it's still machines and it's coding and it's numbers and it's databases but it's still got that people element. You still have to talk to someone. Yeah, putting that kind of, especially for both of us, it's someone else's idea. It's not our own necessarily. And making that into a real thing is, is that's the challenge sometimes because they don't know necessarily what's feasible. They just have these ideas. And sometimes they're quite grandiose. Yeah, yeah. See, this is like uh, one thing I kind of like about what I do because like, for me, like a lot of the time, I'm not working with like these big, I guess, organizations because I'm not working in a like, in a yeah, way. I'm not working like a big organization. I'm working mm. for myself and 
other well, like, it's like a, a few few of us you know what i mean so i don't have to guess deal with the office politics of certain yeah. things you but know it's, what funny, I mean? it's not even my office politics yeah no like the other it's people there. Oh, yeah. yeah it's interesting because like with us a lot of the time it's like clients are actually asking us for our opinion on how to make this app better you know what i mean like yeah because yeah. obviously like you said sometimes they don't really know like yeah, yeah. It... no we're doing that as well we're yeah. still advising on best practice i mean there's yeah there's obviously best practice involved with everything we're dealing with cloud or not cloud and these certain things we, we are advising them a lot of things and increasingly this is funny it's kind of it's a weird thing to say because we're dealing with the most senior people so they're a lot of the time not the most technical so it's another kind of funny situation where it's like they kind of know what they want in terms of the real world or like excel sheets and that kind of stuff but they don't yeah they don't necessarily know how to think in terms of like a, a tech stack and this part's doing this and how we want them to work together and then yeah, yeah. i don't know it's just a interesting way of looking at it. it's funny it's like the actual development structure is more or less the same yeah 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 no like because i kind of to be honest with you i felt like i was like that because like i never really coded for a huge company anyways like mm-hmm. i kind of just started this on my own and had to like learn how people do it you know what i mean like yeah 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 and i think that's the best the same way i learned i learned just making because i wanted to make software i made wanted to make a little program that scanned the stock market for me so i could pick stocks based on like certain things so i started i was just sitting on, on youtube and like a couple of my friends i think i told you they went into like computational chemistry and you know, modeling all these uh, reactions and shit like that so they were like, learn this, learn that. I just sat on YouTube and did it. But yeah, no, it's it's big, big difference. Yeah, but yeah, yeah no, it anyway. is. It is like, but I like because like we do kind of yeah, like you said, like we do kind of similar things. And, like it works because like we could like heck, we could even like join up on some projects sometimes and things like that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like tech, tech is good. I like I love tech. It's just like. Yeah, I think that's what we were saying. It's just the new kind of blue collar. Like, you, you can go on YouTube and learn. Yeah. You don't have to have a four-year college you degree don't. and be in 200K of that. You don't actually need a CS degree. You don't. Exactly. That's why I love it, because, like, you don't need to be going college for this. You don't need to go university, whatever. Like, you can just sit at home, yeah. learn and it yourself. Make a portfolio on GitHub and submit that to your interviews. And if you know what you're talking about, they're going to yeah exactly like if you know what you're doing you know what you talk about you're gonna get hired and you can make a lot of money off of it yeah you don't need to go to these fancy places make something cool man that's the main bit of it like i think the money is obviously what comes but i think the first thing is like the product yeah and i think yeah you can if you can make a great product now it doesn't matter there's no kind of you don't need permission anymore and i think that's one of the great things about the internet it doesn't need to be like i think like say for example the joe rogan's of this world like kind of more or less speaks his truth at least and like not afraid but i think before you'd have to go to the tv station or the network and be like please put me on please give me some airtime." and now with the internet it's more i'm just gonna you can literally speak to how many people you will 
are willing to listen, essentially. Like, you can sit there and talk shit for hours, and if five people are watching, five people are watching, you can keep doing it as long as you want. You don't need to have any kind of permission. Yeah, 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 no, like, I think that is an amazing thing about the world we live in today. It's like, you could, like, in fact, I was thinking, kind of thinking about this earlier, actually. Like, you could really do whatever you want these days in yeah. terms of like you can't ignore the consequences yeah yeah yeah, yeah. however obviously yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah obviously there's consequences to certain things but i was thinking more like like you said like the joe rogers of the, the barriers world. like before you couldn't just get on like the internet and make a career out of like a random yeah. podcast and when that first started as well they were literally smoking and drink smoking weed and drinking and just talking shit exactly. a bunch of comedians yeah they weren't like yeah, now obviously it has like astrophysicists and all kinds of people on there. But yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's just is this? It's so internet, and I think yeah, we've seen that. We're talking about the GameStop thing where I think it was episode one or even episode yeah, two. Yeah, it was yeah, but first. Yeah, yeah, it was like people. This kind of cooperation's never happened before, is what I'm saying. And I think that's a good segue into our next topic, where we're talking about the Library of Alexandria in a way that's. I think of it as when I was researching this topic, it was kind of the, to me, it was almost the ancient ancestor of the internet. And it was kind of the first attempt at corroborating, um, collaborating on a knowledge basis. Yeah, you're completely right. It is kind of the first, I guess, first, well, okay, I don't want to say first attempt at gathering, like having knowledge accessible. I just mean the first we had, like, large attempt i'm sure there were there was local libraries i no, think this was more there was actually a large attempt i can't remember where it was but there was a larger like roughly i think it was like roughly the same ish size but it was like somewhere i think it was in greece i can't remember what it's called but there actually was like a few of them before the one before yeah mm, i can't remember what they were called though um but obviously library of alexandria is like the most yeah. well-known one because of what it became and how big it became yeah and mainly Should the stories let me give a little background. So this was 2,300 years ago, which in, again, all reality, I think we're talking about this would be agriculture. It's actually not that long in terms of how long everything's been about. Anyway, the leaders of Alexandria tried to collect all the knowledge in the world. And this place, it housed an unprecedented amount of scrolls and attracted people from all over Greece. In 5 CE, it, it, it became destroyed and as a former student of Aristotle, um, Alexander the Great wanted to basically build this empire of knowledge, but he never um, got around to doing it. It was actually his um, successor, essentially, who actually finished the plans. Um, how did you say his name? Uh, his name is uh, Ptolemy. Okay, I didn't want to butcher that, because <laughs> it's P-T-O-L-E-M-Y. Anyway, and yeah, this library is located in the city of Alexandria in the Royal District, I mean, it's kind of insane. It almost sounded like a university to me. Yeah, so obviously, like you said, Alexander the Great, he didn't actually get around to seeing this thing. He kind of set the plans in motion. Um, he died, sadly, before it was ever built. Um, which, I mean, in those times, I mean, you know, it takes a long time to build stuff. So, <laughs> you know, it's not really a surprise. But uh, Ptolemy I, he was the person that actually managed to get it built and it kind of actually ran through their family for a while it ended up changing after that but well i think it was after 
Cleopatra, it might have yeah. started to like go into yeah. other hands, but it mainly ran in their family, like the people that mm-hmm. owned, like looked after it. But yeah, yeah, it was the knowledge hub of the world basically at the time, just because like at the time Alexandria anyway the city was huge and a lot of people did it was a port city yeah, wasn't yeah. it a lot of travelers used to come in and out. exactly yeah it was a port city and a lot of people used to come and they basically used to take everybody's books that came in like it was eventually it became a requirement by law yeah. to like no yeah. i was reading that as well it's quite interesting exactly and they even hired these people called book yeah, yeah. to scour around the area and find all these new texts if they could yeah yeah i just think it was interesting as in the sense of like the way I was reading it, it wasn't just a store. They used to pay people, like scholars from other places, to come and study there and read the texts and bring their own. And I think in that terms, like it was, it was almost and not selfless, but it was like it was a coordinated attempt to actually grow knowledge. Yeah, yeah, it was. Like, like I said, a lot of scholars were paid to come over, and like he would, Ptolemy would actually pay for it on his own expense. Um, and obviously, yeah, like they would take people's books. But <laughs> what I love about it is like, because when they would take the books, they would make copies and they would hand, mm. they would give the copies back. You know what I mean? It's, and then yeah, keep yeah, the yeah. originals themselves instead of just keeping the copies. But I get it. You know what I mean? You want the original. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to me, though, I feel like some, I feel like they, I feel like somebody never actually fully just, copied it all in it you know what i mean like well, they were the scribes weren't they yeah yeah it was, it was a job true 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 because imagine sitting there copying all these books for time hours and hours i feel like someone just got tired so of labor it and just like back. i mean it's just but that's such like a 21st century thing <laughs> to say like, yeah even you think about it, even our like i mean even our parents generation when they were at university they still kind of they couldn't just google the the answer yeah that's true they had to hit the books man that's that's not that long that's true like i know just gonna this is a bit weird obviously because i mean it's still to do with writing but i've noticed such a difference between when i was in primary school and now because like you throw a piece of paper at me now kind of get shook a little bit (laughs) i'm just like (laughs) i'm like can i still write this you know what i mean no 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 even like for work i've been taking my notes a lot on i don't know word document essentially now i know i, I, I actually don't remember the last time i wrote fully you know what i mean down. tell me to write essay right now on paper it's, it's kind of shameful man literally because i type so much if i if i had to write essay on paper right now it would be horrible yeah. you spell of mistakes uh, everywhere i just know yeah my handwriting you know what was, it? was i in high school primary school man so there was this kid who handwriting that was so bad basically this old school english teacher and he was like ahmed your handwriting looks as if a spider crawled into a pot of ink and then died on paper. <laughs> like, like, trying to script that was hilarious there was another kid actually i didn't know did you have pen licenses in school this might be the most british pen thing license. ever so like in primary school so we're talking young yeah. tell me listen if you're from the uk I don't think this is like a, uh, what do you call it, like a single phenomena. I think this was like a thing in the country, or at least in the schools that were around my school in my area. So a pen license, like you had a pencil, and if your handwriting got good enough, you got given like a pen. You know the red pen? Yes. Yeah, yeah do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, it was like, the tip was like white and then black. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, who, 
I don't know who made the pen. I don't mean like a Spabilo boss or anything. No, no, it no, wasn't. Like it wasn't a big. It was a proper handwriting pen. Anyway, we used to get pen licenses. Like if you graduate to a certain level, and I think I was one of the kids. My handwriting was so dead. They were just like, "Fuck it, give him, <laughs> give him a pen eventually." Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. But there was this one kid, and we had this. We had this teacher, some Jamaican lady. Like she was, just, she was G'd out. I'm not gonna lie. Like I liked her, but she was a bit. She was hard. Like she was ruthless. And this boy had the worst handwriting. <laughs> And she just slewed him one time. She was like, your handwriting's so bad. Like, you don't even, you need a crayon. <laughs> crayon, you know. See, okay, luckily that never happened to me. But you're right, we did. Do you remember the pen? Yeah, yeah, we we did. They wouldn't call them like pen licenses, but like. No, but that, no, no, no! You got the pen when you got the pen license. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you had to like prove that you could write, like you know yeah, that yeah, like yeah. They fancy. Give you a pencil and yeah, uh, cursive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now nah, we weren't doing cursive, but yeah, we had to like join up our hand. Yeah, I we just, had to do I that. Pluck that from the recess of my memory, <laughs> but no, that was I just remember that so clearly. She was like, "Nah, yeah. you need that crayon." <laughs> crayon. <laughs> Dead. Oh man, yeah, I love that. But funny enough, that kid he didn't. Um, another story about <laughs> my primary school was so funny. I <laughs> like don't know what at the time this was so normal, but thinking back on it, it was kind of crazy. Like a teacher should not really be saying that to a kid. <laughs> but this kid, so we had to write letters to the teacher. Like if you go to the year above, you get um, you write like an introduction, like ah, oh, my name's Alex, and this, this, that. Uh, my birthday's this, or like, I like this, whatever. He didn't know his own birthday, <laughs> so like, in hindsight, she probably shouldn't have been saying, like, deserve a pencil, because if the kid didn't know his own birthday, I think he had more kind of like, problems on it at mind. Anyway, let's go back oh, to this okay. library, man, because I'm going to lose my shit if I keep talking about this. So, um, one interesting thing when I was researching this topic, actually, was I found that once the library started growing so large that there was a scholar, and if he was hired or he just decided to do this of his own back. So his name was Callimachus of Cyrene, and he invented basically a pinnet, which is a 120 catalog volume of all the contents and where to find it. And listen to this, if some of the discoveries that they made, because they didn't even know half the shit was there, because I think it became so vast, which is kind of a parallel I like to think about the internet now, is that because there's so much knowledge on it, it was harder to find the specific stuff. Yeah. And I think that's one thing we're living through now. It's not just, I don't know, it's just so like vast. It's hard to really get the kind of information you want. There's just so much of it. But anyway, let me go through some of the discoveries they found. So, so in 235 BCE, 1,600 years before Columbus set sail, Aristophanes had realized and calculated the Earth's circumference and diameter to within a few miles of accuracy. Yeah. How insane is that? 16,000 years before. Yeah. I think this was talking about how sad it is that it did eventually get lost and set us back thousands of years, basically. There was even Heron of Alexandria created the first steam engine over a thousand years before the Industrial Revolution. Crazy shit. And I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things because no one. I was reading because I obviously always thought it was just a fire. But apparently, 
only part of it got destroyed in the fire when Julius Caesar laid siege to it. And actually, those um, writings from scholars that still visited the library centuries after the siege. Yeah. So I think it was only partly destroyed. But and then, as you said, it changed from Greek to Roman to Christian to Muslim hands, and that's kind of more. That was that's more when it kind of went downhill because a lot of these leaders saw it, especially the religious leaders saw it as like a threat to the doctrine of the kind of religion. And basically it was this alternative knowledge where it should have been seen as the Bible or the Quran or whatever the book was at the time was like the number one um, source of knowledge, basically. And uh, it was funny, in 415 CE, they actually murdered a scholar called for studying ancient Greek texts because they were blasphemous. And I think it's just interesting to see how much that set us back in terms of like, we had to, couldn't study these things, even though, as you said, like it's like the steam engine a thousand years before the Industrial Revolution. Yeah, so like, I, yeah, I saw that too. So like, I think that's kind of amazing that like a thousand years before the industrial so yeah the industrial revolution like they like where could we have been exactly it's like the butterfly effect like that small thing could have changed everything basically you wouldn't even you you never know what life could have been like if they knew about that stuff exactly then. things could have been like a lot more like we could have been a lot more advanced now i'm not saying we'd be crazy more advanced but or things... we could have murked ourselves off Early. yeah that is true that is true <laughs> that is true we could have done that also it's just amazing to think that a lot of this stuff was just sitting there because like you said like because before they had like a proper way to index all of this stuff it was just it was a bunch just of scrolls to pile on top of each other you know what i mean like because obviously it's not like a book you can't just you know you can't put it alphabetically it's like, you know what i mean yeah it? like so dad and then the best way to do it was literally just to stick them on piles until somebody was like okay this needs to change but but is that the first kind of google in a way it is in a way in a way it is but this is what i'm saying that's why i was trying to i quite liked when i was researching this topic because obviously like, me and yeah. you are kind of donkeys like you don't necessarily we're not experts <laughs> yeah. in history like we just kind of research this shit and find it interesting yeah but like that's the parallel i saw anyway that this was the kind of the world wide web yeah. and that was the first kind of google search engine or lookup table yeah no or or sql query yeah <laughs> it's sql query the, the library <laughs> yeah no like it really is kind of the first one of its kind of became so vast in that way because it really was just a place where anybody could go and get knowledge because like you said a lot of great people went there to and they went there to learn and figured stuff out. Like you said, uh, Heron figured out to learn to make, what, a steam engine. Uh, it was Aristosthenes figured out the circumference of the yeah. world. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Yeah. No, I know. Exactly. What, I think... Who was it? Um, I'm going to butcher this name, isn't it? Aristocus? I don't even know. Um basically Aristocles, i believe he pretty much figured out that the earth revolved was around the sun way before copernicus did i think it was uh 1800 years before so it's like but it makes you think okay now in a way like 
not just because of COVID. I mean, it's been going this way for a long time. Talking about Snowden and the NSA, like the more and more censors for the more and more spying we've got. How much do you think? Obviously, a lot of this knowledge was censored or kept away, but as the regions, like the religion, took hold and they didn't want this stuff to come out because it went directly against what they were saying, essentially. Can we see, do you think that's another thing? Like, do you think just now, because obviously, obviously now, yeah, we've got a way better way of storing it. You can't just burn the shit down. Like, you can't just burn the internet down necessarily. Yeah. And there's a much more way of, a uh, better way of accessing and interfacing with the information. But is it necessarily more secure? Like, what, I don't know, you know what I mean? And with misinformation and censorship and, all these, I don't know, like big tech only being like a couple of companies that more or less run the internet in terms of, or run technology in terms of what people use on their day to day. How is it actually safer? Or is it actually more, I don't know, reliable? Yeah. So again, I think another interesting thing about the library is its downfall because obviously a lot of people blame it on Caesar when really it probably wasn't him it was probably Not just him. yeah it was most likely a bunch of different events and like a lot of historians do believe nothing's ever that simple anyway. yeah exactly like a lot of historians do believe like one of the i guess um impacts of the downfall of the library would have been the religious leaders that were destroying certain texts because it went against i guess the current beliefs yeah. of the time so I guess like like the parallels to now, I think while it is easier to find the true information, it's also easier to find. Is it though? I mean, if you, it depends on what you're looking for, you know what I mean. Because if you're trying to find information about, like, let's say COVID, while there's a lot of crazy stuff out there, like you can just go to the nhs or you know like an actual government body yeah 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 no 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 i see what you're you know saying what I, mean? I just mean in the sense of like ah i don't know this is it's not that difficult to spread misinformation yeah like it's, it's not, easy to do it's real easy yeah. and the reach you can have on it like i don't know it's just it's a crazy world we're living in right now because the access again as you said the access and the quantity of it is so amazing if you i think you're right if you want to go find out about it you can you can go listen up and down many a rabbit hole on <laughs> yeah. the internet or youtube and you can really find it's it's insane and then, i mean it's changed everyone's like like everyone in the world knows basically how to google something yeah it's just it's hard to discern where the line is and who should have the keys like who should be in charge of, should the internet be, because the internet, it's stateless, right? Like no one has control over it necessarily. I guess you have control of what goes on within your own internet, like China police, the Chinese internet, but they can't necessarily do, they can't stop people in the UK accessing something. Yeah, like, like I said, like with misinformation, it is easy and I think one of, Maybe okay, one of the like scary things about it, because while you can easily find true information on certain topics, it's what amazes me is the ease at which you can make 
I guess, fake news or, yeah, something like that just seems so real because, you like, you can take a look at YouTube and find, like, the craziest stuff, right? And you'll be seeing some guy there with the most amazing presentation, but it could be all nonsense. It could be all nonsense. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. Even... I'm not saying... Listen, I'm not saying that they are, but how hard would it be for necessarily the government or someone to also make the great presentation they don't have to necessarily be true but if they hold the keys they could i don't know like it's not like they haven't suppressed the story like it's not like in terms of okay say these tech companies they're in L, they're all around california or like in a specific area called silicon valley more or less are the people that work for those tech companies they're like college educated quite liberal people they have a political leaning they kind of hold the keys i mean it's not they don't own all of the internet if you want to go find out stuff for yourself you can definitely do that without facebook and google and apple but for the most part on like day-to-day normal people are doing they're using those platforms so if they boot something off those platforms that's a lot of power for people who are not necessarily they're not accountable they're not elected by anyone not can't vote them out like if a politician does something you can vote them out you know what i mean yeah yeah you're right you can't really i mean well okay i guess that kind of depends on the country that you're living in but yeah essentially you can vote yeah i mean i mean yeah i mean not i mean talking about an hour an hour life in the uk or the us like there's some form of accountability in a sense they have to win elections to stay there these guys i mean all power to them and they've definitely i think done more good than harm i'm not saying that i just mean in the sense of yeah i mean they hold the keys and they can do what they want same in this sense of like okay you have uh all these inventions and all these things that were basically thousands of years before they even they became reinvented sorry but listen people the leaders of the church or the leaders of those religions at the time when they were banning those texts were probably thinking now we have to keep this locked because we're doing a good thing like it's better for people if they're religious they didn't see it as they weren't rubbing their hands like uh, mr burns and symptoms are thinking wait let's just let's just put humanity back a thousand years they weren't thinking that they were thinking this stuff's evil they thought they were doing the good thing so maybe at this time they're thinking ah let's ban this, let's ban that, let's censor this because, like, it's bad stuff. But, I don't know, are we going to go down the line in a thousand years and say, shit, like, we shouldn't, these guys shouldn't have had this much kind of sway over what is and what isn't online. Yeah, I think that's kind of the big thing that's happening right now between kind of who has the power to really say that. Um because, like, I mean, yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a hard, yeah. that's a hard Who's question. Who's the judge? Who's the jury of, like, what is allowed? Yeah, like, I, I, that's such a hard question to really answer because at the same time, it's like, I do think free speech is important and people should be able to say what they want. But then again, I understand why big companies like Twitter, Facebook, and that might ban stuff because, like, you can't have people spreading, like, crazy hate speech over your platform and then, like, planning to, like, meet up and do something crazy, if you know what I mean. No, 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 like, I'm fully with you. And I think in those instances, 
it's good. Do you know what I mean? Like, you should be able to crack down on that because it's bad. Yeah, I'm not, I, I just mean in the sense of political ideas or where do they then, they may be able to go and delete something or ban something that's not necessarily that, but they can say uh, it is that, like, who's making the decision? That's what I mean. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's bad, but and I'm sure the rules that they've put into place are the intention is to stop shit like that happening, but then they could also be used to then shut down someone who's not necessarily who's just going against what they believe in, is what I'm saying. And like just the fact that that can happen is something that I kind of, I think, I don't know, it's just like no one man should have all that power. Kind of, it's the standard. Yeah, yeah. People shouldn't really have the power to do that. Like, I think a good case, well, a good example. I mean, is like uh, Snowden, like what he did, and the government tried to really just put us. Yeah, he's living as a prisoner in well, not a prisoner. But he's living in exile for telling the truth. And when does telling the truth make you live in exile? Like, they weren't, it wasn't lying, like, they were literally doing that. It's not fake. Exactly, right? Like, that, I just find it crazy how speaking the truth can just, it could ruin your life, you know what I mean? Like, even if you're not saying anything crazy, you're literally telling people what is going on, and then the government, government, yeah, you know what I mean? The government can completely shut you down because of that, and that's kind of wild to think, like, I do think there is too much power there in terms of that. Like, it's just hard to kind of like, like, what are you supposed to do if you know what I mean? Like, you can't really mm-hmm. take that power away. Yeah. By the way, what we're saying is, um, I think, sorry, not what we're saying. I think a good context to what we are saying is to watch, uh, I believe, the best one I saw was Snowden was on a podcast with Russell Brand, who's like a UK, uh, I mean, he's been on TV, some other stuff, like he's an author, I think, and he's, I mean, we know who he is, but some people might not know who he is, but he's quite, a, he's got quite an interesting YouTube and podcast going on as well, but he had Snowden on, it was quite interesting, he was literally talking about how conspiracy theories aren't necessarily like, uh, like the massive kind of there's this cabal of conspiring kind of like elites that are getting us. Like they're more obvious. Do you know what I mean? Like I was right. I was telling you they were spying on you and they were spying on you. Like it's not a conspiracy theory. Like that might sound crazy, but it's, it's real. Like they were spying on you and they want to spy on you all the time, or at least have the ability to monitor you 25, eight. And that's not a conspiracy theory. Like you can, they, they, you got proved right. Like conspiracies are there in front of you. They're not. They're not hidden. And I think yeah, it's just interesting to see. I think that's just kind of the parallel I drew with like uh, the church was shutting down these ideas. And I think it's just important to have I free flowing ideas. And I think that even if the ideas are bad, the way to combat those bad ideas is with good ideas and speech and debate and discourse instead of shutting stuff down and just having one idea because if that idea is not the best idea there's no way of finding that out yeah yeah that's that's true it's true it's completely true like i guess one of the things as well like going back to kind of misinformation and just because i think 
a lot of things at the moment have just shown me that not that the educational system is bad. Well, I mean, it's not the best, but... They're doing their best. Yeah, they're doing their best, but I do think it needs to change in terms of teaching people the correct way how to navigate the internet, if you know what Mm. I mean, and, like, actually find what they're looking for and just do a better job overall of educating on certain topics because... But do they want to? Yeah. But I don't think that serves the people who make the rules that way. Yeah, that's true. That is also true. they don't really... I think, unfortunately, that's in the hands of the parents... Yeah, I don't think you're gonna get that from a formal education anymore. Yeah, yeah, ever I mean, really? Because like, why do they? They don't want free thinkers. They want people to work jobs and pay taxes. That is true. That is true. They do want people. They don't to want do people that. to think like, why is this happening? I don't know. And I don't think, yeah, again, as you said, I don't think necessarily the formal education pathways in terms. Of, I mean, we. I went to university probably more than most people. Like, I went to university for five years. Um. Um, like I definitely, it's definitely given me skills, but I can definitely say most of the things I learned were not at university. And I think, yeah, you have to be able to, you have to be able to fucking find a way through this kind of mass amounts of information and the kind of the headlines and go go deeper than that. Anyway, that's a good way to end it off there. Um, yeah. So yeah, like the look. I think there's a lot of parallels that you can see between the library and early, well, not want to say early technology, but the technology we have today in terms of like the concepts anyway. Yeah, like the concept is still there. It's the same. Exactly right. It is a big knowledge hub, the same way the internet is, and it has to be organized properly. You know what I mean? Like, but I guess, like you know, a good. There's actually a library, I believe it's being built in I don't know if it's Egypt or Israel, right? Let me you know, let me let me find it. It's actually it's being built, but it's another attempt basically at the uh, Library of Alexandria. Library. Yeah. Nice. It's another attempt at it, but they're doing it properly, obviously it's like, like the building is super fireproof. Like they made sure it's super fireproof. Um But yeah, they're actually been building that and I think that's kind of interesting. It's a bit like as well the you know the seed vault i think that's kind of i think that's really cool yeah no 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 that's really interesting actually um where is that is that in, is it in antarctica i is it believe so yeah i want why do i want to say greenland it's, it's somewhere know. cold but it's it's that looks that's the coolest thing i've ever seen it's just like a door in a corridor like a conventional yes, corridor inside of a exactly. mountain exactly Looks like a fallout shelter. Okay, that's what's called. It's Bibliotheca Alexandria. So, yeah, they're basically made... And making it on the same site as well. Yeah, yeah. In the same city. Yeah, yeah, exactly, next to it. So, I think that's really cool, just kind of bringing back that. So, yeah, anyways, we'll see you guys next week. We're going to keep the topic for next week under wraps again. Um, That's mainly because we don't... Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) No, like, we we, we have a list that we We have a general You know what I mean? Like, we do make lists of certain things that we want to talk about and just decide on kind of which one that we're going to go for. Guys, we're chatting shit is what we're trying to say. We're just just going with it. Like, we're not... We just go with the flow. But, yeah. No, I think that was good. Good discussion. I think uh, it's something we can... Yeah, we 
should learn about and I think we should try and to, to draw parallels from what happened before and see if we can learn from those and apply it to today's uh, the framework to today's kind of life anyway because we're not different I think is the message it's interesting and we've repeated these patterns before yeah it's just like we covered in the last episode with the agriculture revolution like you can see that we're really not different at all we may know more things now but we're not that different and we can always kind of find parallels of what we do because i mean a lot of the stuff we're making now is similar to what we did back then just on a biggest bigger level exactly all right guys speak to you hopefully next week